Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. <laughs> it took too long. It's been a bit since we recorded and I couldn't figure out how I start the episode. So there were like three outtakes that you're probably never going to hear. And hopefully uh, I can pull it together for our Phoebe Bridgers episode where we are going to go through Phoebe Bridgers' new album, Punisher. This has been out for a bit, so hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the album. If you haven't had a chance, here's the overview of what we're going to do. We're going to go through every single song, song by song, talk about our favorite elements and just what we like about each song uh, very specifically. And so make sure that you kind of listen to the album before we jump into it so you have better context for it. But uh, I think that's the technical stuff. Nate, you ready to jump into this? Yes, sir. Before we get started, we want to let you know about a new album coming out very soon, which is called Something to Lose by Better Person. It comes out October 23rd. And this record is the culmination of Better Person's desire to nurture intimacy through tender balladry. Here's a quick clip from the title track, Something to Lose. So let's begin with the first track, because that's how you listen to albums, and it's DVD Menu. thoughts on dvd menu so there's not too much that i can say because it's just an instrumental but for what the song is as an instrumental it's really perfect i actually really love the title of this song because i think that the title explains so well what the song basically feels like and that's that it feels like it's this lingering kind of instrumental it kind of stays in the same kind of vibe and it's waiting for you to kind of press play on the album and it, I don't know. It just gives the whole album a great vibe starting out with that. It has some really beautiful guitar and violin parts in it, uh, but I think it does its purpose of just introing Garden Song. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on DVD Menu? Yeah, so a few of my comments have or observations are not my own, and they come from my friend Kevin, who we talked about the record recently, and he pointed out some really interesting stuff that I hadn't heard or noticed um, while I was listening. And so I'm going to take credit for his stuff. And No, but um, anyways, he pointed out how the connection of the melody, a little bit of the melody in DVD menu with I Know the End. And it, it actually, like, it's kind of connected, which I didn't recognize through my first few listens. And that until he pointed it out, and then him making that connection caused me to personally take the connection to the next level. Which, even though his connection is definitely there, this one that's my observation might not at all be the case. But I wonder if DVD menu and I know the end, as well as the whole record, is kind of connected in the sense of like Phoebe's almost like not a victim but she feels like she's watching a lot of life go by and like helpless to change certain things and um she's just like an observer 
Um, and especially with I Know the End, like watching the world crumble and just like, it's almost like a movie at times. And I definitely feel that way at times when you um, see the certain things in the world. And so I thought that was a cool connection, but thanks to Kevin for pointing out the melodic connection. So next up, we have Garden Song. In the What are your thoughts on Garden Song? So this was the first single from the album, and it really, it has a beautiful intro that cascades into the first words that Phoebe sings on the album. Her voice is just perfect. How it's tracked, her vocal dynamics, the vocal layering with the dark and mysterious voice later on in the song. To me, the vocals are the main attraction of this song, and they're kind of the main attraction on the whole album to me as well. The whole song has this vibe of muted instruments and melodies and lyrics that feel kind of like a nightmare. However, I do feel like there's kind of glimmers of hope here and there in this track, and I wasn't expecting to hear that kind of thrown in there. So I think all things considered, it's just a really great first track. Nate, what are your thoughts on Garden Song? Yeah, so I remember when I first heard it, I liked it. I liked more of the aesthetic of it than the actual song itself. Um, I was hoping for something a little bit more catchy and a little bit more like her last record. And I think that's definitely a prevailing theme for me over this record is it's not quite as catchy as the last record, which isn't a bad thing. But when you go in with expectations of a certain feel or a certain um, style or even just a certain characteristic that you're longing for in a record or in a song and you don't get it, you can often be let down. That being said, despite not having that really strong, catchy um feel to it i still really liked it the lyrics very interesting very poetic um, very thought-provoking and overall i think this production on this track is just spot on and i think the production as we talk about the continue to talk about the track we'll just continue to talk about how it definitely shines and is a very vital part of the record next up we have the song kyoto thoughts on Kyoto so this is the second single from the album and when it first came out I was like damn this could be a really different album for her the song is so much more upbeat and poppy than she normally would go there's a mix of some brass some horns in the song and it kind of felt like she had tapped into a whole different sound That being said, and spoiler alert kind of to anyone who's not familiar with the album yet, this song isn't quite indicative of a change of style, just a different addition to her style, maybe, and and adding more of an upbeat sound for her. I really love this song, though, and I really like the lead that starts the song off in the intro. The song's lyrics are so honest and open, as are all of her lyrics, but this song's talking about being in Japan, a place that she's always wanted to be, and while she's there, she wishes she were home. And it kind of has that dichotomy. There's also references to her strained relationship with her dad, um, 
and she really has just the perfect way of writing poetic lyrics and literal lyrics at the same time. So it's a really fun track, and I'm sure it's going to be a fan favorite once she is able to play concerts again, and I know it's one of my favorites on the album. So Nate, what are your thoughts on Kyoto? Yeah, so Kyoto is such a sick song. I'm sure if you've done even just a little bit of research on the record, you know that uh, it was originally a slower ballad, and uh, Phoebe was convinced to make it a little more up pace, which I think was a very wise decision, especially in light of how the overall record is pretty slow. And for me, having tracks like this, having ICU, even Chinese Satellite, or um, I Know the End, just a different feel than that slower pacing really is beneficial for me and helps me get through the record. Um, I think... Some it would have been fine if she just wrote slower tracks, but for Phoebe, she's capable of so much. Like, I don't mind when bands or artists stick to one thing, but I more prefer that when they're less versatile and can't do a lot of different stuff. She can do so much, and so I really appreciate her range. Uh, my favorite part of the track, and it's arguably one of my favorite parts of the album, is... Um, her line, and I'm not going to repeat it word for word, but she basically said, uh, you got the car fixed, uh, you took us driving, and 25 felt like flying. And it is such a cool line in light of the overall lyrics of the song, kind of criticizing her dad and uh, longing for that relationship, where I feel like those lines so poignantly point out how doing the little things um, as a parent or even often in any type of relationship doing the little things really means a lot and little things are so much more than little things and that's why I feel like she was saying even though we were going slowly in this car it felt like we were going fast even though this was such a small thing it was really such a big thing to me and um, I just think there's such a poetic and also just like very vivid way of illustrating that point which um, I thought was really a powerful statement from her all right next up we have my I call it my Andrew track it's called Punisher What's going on with Punisher? Well, this is obviously the title track, and I will take a quick second to mention when I saw that her album was going to be called Punisher, and even when I saw the album artwork, it did not feel like the Phoebe Bridgers that I was expecting. Because I do picture either the the Marvel superhero, the Punisher, or just like that this should be more of like a metal song or album than it is like I'm not used to that term being used how she used it and so I'm going to do a quick explanation of how she talks about being a punisher and what that term means um, at least in how she's using it so she describes it as when you're listening to someone talk and your face is kind of glazing over looking for an escape out of the conversation she said it happens a lot maybe with with fans who are trying to talk for like 45 minutes to her but they're right in front of her bus and she's just trying to go to bed and it's really hard when someone is is doing that to stay engaged you try to stay engaged with them but you notice that your face is kind of glossing over and she wrote the song about how she feels like she can be that person when she meets her heroes and namely Elliot Smith is like 
her main hero and she was never able to meet him before his passing but she mentions a lot of references to him it's kind of a tribute to him and that's kind of the lyrical idea i guess with the song the song is so passionate and honest in its approach i really really love the melodies and cadences of this song to me that's like some of her strongest melodies and cadences are in this track and she has a great way of changing up dynamics ever so slightly while staying soft and low she doesn't ever just crescendo to this big sound like she does later in the in the album but She's able to stay in a low vibe, yet still change it up enough that it doesn't sound boring and monotonous. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on Punisher? Yeah, so I didn't even know what Punisher was until this record came out. I mean, I definitely knew what a Punisher was, but I didn't know the title uh, went with that type of person. Uh, But anyways... uh, I think this song is such a unique pick for the album title. I think uh, it feels like such a specific and um, kind of different song. It's not any of the other lyrics on the record seem to be talking about this Punisher type of relationship in light of um, her love for uh, what the heck is his name? Elliot Smith. And I think it takes a little bit more work to realize how this type of relationship is a lot more prevalent on the record than I realized, where one person is so heavily invested and heavily present and heavily caring and so attentive and focused and caring where somebody else is not. Whether that's on Kyoto, that's on Moonsong, that's on other tracks, I just feel like it took a little bit of digging for me to realize how this idea of a Punisher, or even just this aspect of being relationally needy or um, relationally lonely maybe, or whatever it might be, is just flooded throughout the record. And the Punisher is just probably the... Punisher is probably just like the strongest example of that, which is why I think it's more of a uh, kind of like an illustration or a rep- maybe better said a representative of the other tracks that deal with this topic. So the album title is actually a lot more appropriate now after really diving into the record than I originally thought it was. All right. Next up, we have the track Halloween. thoughts on Halloween so she does such a great job with writing with all these muted instruments it really creates a very unique sound most bands just kind of play their parts nothing's muted or or anything and it kind of sounds more in your face even though that's not the the thoughts that I would have when listening to music but when you listen to this album the thing that stands out to me a lot and this song specifically is that every instrument feels very muted and what it does is it creates these interesting and almost this like muddy texture that complements her voice perfectly because it presents her voice as again that main attraction the thing you're supposed to be listening to that that cuts through all of the music And it's so hard to not have her vocals and melodies stand out because of that way of writing. One of the things that helps this song stand out to me, though, is Connor Ober's voice in the outro part of the song. I think her talking in the chorus, telling a partner that they can be whatever they want on Halloween, and then 
almost the response of her partner agreeing with her in the outro is really beautiful and seems to bring hope into what is otherwise a, a fairly sad song. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on Halloween? Yeah, so Halloween is such a good track. I think it's so cool to have a like a holiday song that's not at all a holiday song. Um, and Halloween is one of the coolest holidays. And I think this kind of talks about like a unhealthy type of I can be whatever you want. That That's kind of the, the last refrain. And I think sometimes we're willing to go the extra mile for people in relationships where um, we're hurting ourselves for an unhealthy relationship. And it ends up not only not benefiting you, but not benefiting the other person and just being like this downward downward spiral and this codependency and or maybe even better said in Phoebe's example, like a savior complex, which she talks about later. And I think uh, this song just does a really cool job of talking about that, especially in light of being who you're not. And uh, the mask line is really creative and really beautiful. And I think this is the type of song that really does make you sad. I know Phoebe has kind of cornered the market on sad music, and I'm obviously making a joke there, but she's definitely known for making sad songs. And I think... For me on the record, this is one of the most sad. Even though it's a little less specific, it definitely encompasses um, almost like a hopeless situation. Um, I feel like Kyoto, even though it's sad, there's still like this chance for, for hope. And even though Punisher has these kind of sad qualities, it's almost like a... Um, it's almost like a dream in a certain sense, but this song feels very real and uh, very personal and very applicable for all different types of people and all different types of relationships. All right, next up we have Chinese Satellite. Took a two- What are your thoughts on Chinese Satellite? All right. I love the electric guitars in this song. I'm sucker for good electric guitars, and she uses them to create the perfect background for her voice. As per usual, there's a lot of really interesting chords thrown in throughout the song. The song has some of the best production on the album to me. How it fits so many layers and helps crescendo this song is just perfect. During the song, I realized kind of how rare drums are on this album as well. She doesn't use them a lot, and she never uses them for just the sake of using drums. But they create the perfect vibe in the song. And the ending electrics, again, with their weird textures they provide, are really perfect. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on Chinese Satellite? Yeah, so Chinese Satellite obviously talks about uh, dealing with a... A loss of faith or I think probably more in Phoebe's um, scenario, just a lack of faith, not really having faith and not feeling like she has a reason to have faith almost like wanting to believe, but not logically really being able to make a solid argument that kind of validates that faith Um, where obviously the Again, I'm not going to quote directly, but just overall, the chorus is essentially like, hey, I looked out for a shooting star and there's no stars. Like there's nothing outside of me to wish on or hope in or pray to or whatever. All I saw is a Chinese satellite, something like man-made and something 
um, humanly constructed. And I think that's kind of how she views. I think there could be two takes on that. I think one is she kind of views God as this like man-made construct, which she feels like is almost a facade of hope. And then I would say the second view is more just like wanting to believe in God and yet him not being there and seeing what man and woman have done and believing in that instead. So like seeing that Chinese satellite is both a sad thing because God doesn't exist, but also in her mind, it might be a positive thing and like still look at what we're capable of alone in a certain sense. So I think those are kind of the main two uh, guesses I have at what she's trying to articulate there. But overall, it's definitely a extremely catchy song and one of my favorites because of that and uh, just very beautifully written from an instrumental standpoint and obviously just a very open and honest and vulnerable track from a faith or religious standpoint. Next up, we have Moonsong. You could have What are your thoughts on Moon Song? Yeah, so this song's kind of about loving someone who doesn't love themselves. She seems to be expressing how draining that is and how you almost have to forget about your own problems in order to help them. Song is perfect in its execution, once again, of promoting her vocals and letting her vocals carry the emotion. To me, this is one of the um, most emotional songs on the album. It kind of makes me come pretty close to tears once or twice here while listening to it it's just a really beautiful and complex song and yeah that's all i have nate what are your thoughts on moon song yeah so i think this song is so interesting i think she does such a unique and uh really captivating job of weaving her way through what's dream and what's reality or what's fiction and what's fact and you're kind of (laughs) kind of hard to know where you're at within a track like this and I think a way she does this very practically is so in verse two she says so I'll wait for you the next time you want me like a dog with a bird at your door so She's saying, she's using a simile, I will wait for you when you want me like a dog with a bird at your door. So she's taking a reality of I will wait and it will be like this. Then in the outro, she says, when you saw the dead little bird, you started crying, but you know the killer doesn't understand. So she takes that simile and inserts it directly into the narrative, directly into what she's describing. And so it's hard to know exactly what she's talking about. And when the simile is then interwoven within what seems to be a narrative or a story, you wonder, okay, now how much of the narrative is meant to be metaphoric? How much of the narrative is meant to be um, not taken literally? And so... Anyways, I just think she does such a good job of making it like very picturesque and very image focused and she illustrates so much. But with that, she creates more of a less clear picture, more dreamy, more hazy, fuzzy picture of what's actually going on. And so this song, I'm going to continue to peel back at the layers as I continue to listen and hopefully grow in my understanding. One last thing I will say is I feel like the song itself is actually a a grower as well. It was a song that initially wasn't too high on. 
especially with just being confused with what was going on with the lyrics. But as my understanding of the lyrics have grown, and even more importantly, as my understanding of what's happening musically and melodically has grown, I've definitely grown to really appreciate the song. All right, next up, we have Savior Complex. What are your thoughts on Savior Complex? I love the song. It is kind of the most singer-songwriter sound on the album. The acoustic guitar with the mixture of those high synth sounds and electric guitar is perfect. The chord structure is extremely beautiful. I just want to take this song as well to mention the strings on this song and on the album. The strings carry certain sections of this album really strongly and they sometimes are just very subtle and so i really love the strings and how they're used in the song as well so nate what are your thoughts on savior complex easily one of the most beautiful songs of the year probably the most beautiful song on the record so pretty so captivating the orchestral components her performance vocally oh man the song i don't know how you can't like this song uh lyrics to really draw you in very vulnerable very heartfelt and i think (sighs) this is a part of the sadness of phoebe is just like not that she's always a victim um or that people with savior complexes are always a victim because obviously it's a two-way street like you choose and phoebe's definitely like fully acknowledging this throughout the record and it's like you choose to both go above and beyond for people when it's not the most healthy thing like we saw that on halloween and yet at the same time you're doing your best to love people and so it's just this kind of messy and gray um kind of situation i think one of the best lines on the record is all the bad dreams that you hide show me yours i'll show you mine and i think that's a very beautiful picture of love and bearing someone else's burden but also being willing to be vulnerable yourself and uh, let the other person bear your burdens as well. And so I think the song just so well written, so vulnerable, and very uh, just captivating track. All right, next up we have the track I See You. Andrew, what are your thoughts on ICU? So this was the third and final single from this album. And to me, the standout for this song is its dynamics. They keep hinting at exploding dynamically throughout the song. And it's the perfect execution of dynamics. So the song is about Phoebe and her drummer's relationship. They used to date, then they broke up, and now they're just like really really good friends 
But the space between breaking up and becoming good friends again seems to be the background for this song. It kind of feels like the rise and fall of the dynamics are echoing the rise and fall of their relationship a lot. And so I think it fits perfectly with the lyrics in the song. And I think it's just a really, really well-crafted track. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on I See You? So I think I don't think I've ever seen this before where this was obviously one of the singles I read in the Rolling Stone before the record came out how she originally had the song titled I See You, like the letters I See You, but then she decided to change it before the single release. Then the record came out and the song was back to the title I See You, which I think was a wise choice from a like artistic standpoint. I think so clever and then thematically brilliant and... I know she was kind of worried about coming across insensitive towards people who are actually sick or in the ICU, but I don't, she's obviously not like making a commentary on that. And I don't think she's being insensitive or being um, kind of unkind or inconsiderate by doing this. And I think it's just such a brilliant song title, probably one of the best I've heard in a long time. Um, This song is so necessary at this point in the record, just from a pacing standpoint and from its upbeat nature. And then I would also say it's definitely uh, one of the funniest songs. Uh, I'll just read the whole second verse because it's so beautiful in its its humor. Uh, If you're a work of art, I'm standing too close. I can see the brush strokes. I hate your mom. I hate it when she opens her mouth. It's amazing to me how much you can say when you don't know what you're talking about. So, oh boy, she uh, <laughs> she took this kid and his mom to town, but uh, just so well written. And I think at the end of the day, like Phoebe is obviously, it's funny. She is one of the best vocalists out there. Like, regardless of gender, regardless of style, like, regardless of anything, she's one of the best vocalists out there. And yet, still, she writes better lyrics than her vocals. And I don't mean that to discredit her vocals. I really don't. What I mean is, I just want to highlight how incredible her lyrics are. And she does such a good job at breaking things down and making them as, I would say, sharp as possible like nothing is dull nothing is um nothing is kind of i would i think a good way of saying it nothing feels like it's there by accident or it's just filler everything feels pointed and direct and aiming at some type of idea or some type of feel or some type of humor or some type of sadness and so just one of the best lyricists of the artists I listen to and uh, I think this song is just such a great example alright so next up we have the second to last track Graceland 2 thoughts on Graceland 2. So this song feels the most like a Phoebe Bridgers throwback. It's kind of a little bit more folk country type of style, uh, which shows up on Stranger in the Alps a bit. So the style still suits her really well, even though it to me stands out on this album because it sounds so different than any of the other songs it kind of reminds me almost of like an S. Carey type of song. There's kind of this like uh, acoustic guitar it's just that more organic instruments over kind of synth and computerized sounds um that a lot of bands have it just feels very raw um the vocal harmonies and layering in the song are the best on the album uh, i i kept 
kind of going like, which is the best vocal harmonies and layering? And to me, it has to be this song. It's so perfectly uh, orchestrated as far as the harmonies and layering of the vocals. So it's a great song. Nate, what are your thoughts on Graceland 2? So I think the first time I listened to Graceland 2, I was definitely thrown off by how different it was compared to the rest of the tracks. I did not notice... The other members of Boy Genius, Lukey, sorry, Lukey, <laughs> Lucy Dacus and uh, Julian Baker. I definitely did not notice them the first time listening through. And uh, I just think it felt kind of out of place. And, I, and I, I was not expecting I Know the End to come after it. So like... If I thought that this song was out of place, I, I would I should have told my former self, "Hey, shut up! Wait, wait till you hear the next song." But in hindsight, it actually sets up. I know the end really well, and it's a perfect second to last track in the sense of, I think those slower, kind of a little bit shorter, a little bit out there type of tracks are really good second to last songs, because. They're really getting you prepared for the last track. And I think the song definitely puts you in a different mood to get ready for I Know the End. And then I think, and I have no idea, again, her lyrics are, very, like I said, very pointed, but also not always clear on who she's referring to or, like I said, whether it's a dream, whether it's reality. I think this song's a good example where at the end it goes between whatever she wants to whatever you want. And I'm, like, very confused on who this is written to. Like, is this written to someone else? Is this written to her? Is she writing about herself? And then is she responding herself to herself? Like, is the, the her she's writing to responding back to her when it says whatever you want? Again, I don't know what's happening. But I also think this is kind of a twist that section on Halloween, where this feels like a bit more of a healthy version of being there for someone. And that makes perfect sense if she's talking to herself. Like, rather than, I don't want to say killing herself, but just exhausting herself and putting herself in unhealthy situations for these other people, she's kind of changing perspective and saying, you know, I got to do what's best for me first and not and do what I want first and not in a selfish way, but more in a like self-care type of you can't love other people until you love yourself. Like you can't give love to others if there's no love in you. And so I definitely think if that is her take, it makes perfect sense. And if not, that's what I'm going to think it is because I can't figure out what what it means <laughs> outside of that. So let let us know if you have a a different viewpoint on what she's saying there or on anything we've mentioned within this album because goodness to gracious, we know we've probably got a lot wrong. So feel free to let us know on Instagram or you can send a quick or a very, very long email at longdistancelistening.com or longdistancing at gmail.com. I mean, to be honest, it's just hard to get through all our emails because we have so many and just like all the fan mail and stuff, but I will make time for it, you know? No no fan is, is unworthy of our absolute love and adoration. But uh, the last track, I know the end. So I gotta go. I did not know the end, but now I know the end. So, 
let me just preface this by saying that this might be one of the best closing tracks ever. I have all caps and an exclamation point after the word ever there, but I'm feeling too lazy to yell it and scream it as loud as that would sound. But that is kind of how my heart feels about this song. This song has the perfect vibe early on in the song is really chill and emotional and when i was first listening to this album i was like oh this is like it doesn't stand out as like weird that she would end the album on a chill and emotional vibe because that's been a lot of the album but it wasn't maybe fully what i expected for it to be but i was like this still fits it's still good so she does that for a few minutes, and it's really, really great. That's really the the majority of the song is that vibe. Then in the bridge, she really starts to build, right? So it hits like a second layer where she starts to build this this lower, uh, lower, I don't know, vibe to it. But it starts to build into an, a higher vibe in which... They then go into these gang vocals, and it's this really big part, right? And then you're like, this is incredible. This is the ending I was, like, hoping for. And then it hits another level that I was not expecting, where Phoebe screams, and they go into this almost, like, metal-like ending for the album. It's chaos. It's manic. There's electric guitars and again phoebe screams again later and and that scream is incredible there's distorted guitars horns drums piano and then the album ends and you're like what the hell did i just hear like my mind exploded so bad because i had already been tricked early into thinking it was going to be chill then when they built i was like this is what the song is now it's chill then it builds then it hit that other layer and now i'm basically sitting there going what just happened i have no clue and i immediately had to listen to it again i have listened to the song probably the most on the album just because i still like i was not expecting any of this from phoebe somehow still and it's one of the coolest best endings to the album i think it's so cool and then when it does circle back to dvd menu it's so interesting because then it goes back to that chill vibe which had set up the whole album but then it's weird because you just heard this like phoebe screaming and electric guitars going crazy and horns and then you go back and you're like oh right this is what the album was like and to me the range on the album is incredible and the range that this last song has is insane so Nate, what are your thoughts on I Know the End? Yeah, so first time listening to I Know the End was definitely a dramatic and eye-opening experience, to say the least. What's cool about the song for me is so many different things. I would say really quickly, I'm going to try and keep this short. One, when you get this far into an album and it's great, you're just hoping that last song is just as good as the rest of the tracks. So I felt that way heading into the song, and this song ended up being basically better than the rest of the tracks, or at least on par with the best tracks on this record. Um, also, stylistically, it showed that Phoebe can do anything, and I don't mean that literally. She obviously can't do anything. Even musically, she can't do anything. But I do mean she doesn't have to be boxed into the singer-songwriter type feel. She can really open it up, and I hope she pushes herself more on future releases as well and shifts it up stylistically or even just song structurally whatever and then the last thing which uh my friend kevin pointed out was this seems like it's two songs and that would be a song i'd love to ask sorry that would not be a song i'd love to ask her that would be a point or a question i'd love to ask her about if i had the chance to like was this originally two songs that she turned into one the first song being i know the second song being the end and that's why you have the title i know the end um and that would make perfect sense because it really does feel like these two songs are kind of crashing into each other in a way that still fits and still makes sense so anyways this song is the bee's knees and that's really all i want to say about it all right so that was punisher by our girl phoebe bridgers so before we get into our rating 
what I, we'd like to do is share our favorite track. And my guess is Andrew and I will have the same favorite track, but I could be wrong. So, Andrew, what's your favorite track? So there are many incredible tracks on this album. Right away, when the singles were released, I thought that it would be between Garden Song and Kyoto, because I think both those tracks are perfect. I really love Chinese Satellite as well. Uh, my favorite is I Know the End. I think it's, to me, it reminds me of Finn by Amberlynn, which is the whole album is incredible. But there's something about that song that feels like it's going to last longer than most it's one of the most epic endings it's my favorite Amberlynn song it's hard for me to say that I know the end is my favorite Phoebe Bridgers song ever but what she's able to accomplish is just incredible it is my favorite track at least currently on this album and Nate was mentioning she wrote a song as a singer songwriter she wrote a metal song and anyone who is in a band and writes metal songs like that sound pretty close to her ending, they have to be so pissed that someone can come from like a completely different style and do what like they're doing, but do it better. Like it's, it's really insane to me that you compare the strength of a song like garden song with the strength of a song. Like I know the end and they're both completely different strengths. And then even talking Graceland too, which is kind of this folk country. So all three excellent songs that sound like they're written by a different artist. And I think that her range has been expanded because of this song. And I agree, Nate. I really hope that she taps into some of that for the next album. It doesn't mean that I want every song to be I Know the End because that would start to be a new predictable. But I want her to take this idea of like, I have this massive range now that I can do and let me mess with people here and there. Maybe all of a sudden go to a chorus and it's like, super loud and you weren't expecting that or something because she hit another level with her style so yes i know the end is my favorite track on the album nate what is your favorite track on this album yeah so i think this is how i view it so my i'll just stop beating around the bush so mine's i know the end as well but it's one of those songs that's such a standout because of its stylistic difference that it really is hard to view it in light of the other tracks. And so for me to pick another favorite track, which I could totally see happening, it will have to be, I'll have to listen to the record another like 15 to 20 times. Like I'll have to really get to know the record even more and really fall in love even more so I can pick up those subtleties even more that I haven't recognized yet. Because... That song is just such a standout that the other songs get kind of pushed aside. Um, and so, who knows? I bet you in a year there's a good chance I could have a different uh, favorite track. But there's also a good chance that it will be I Know the End. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. So, we're going to give a quick... Uh, summary of what we think is the best strength and what we think is the biggest weakness and then we're going to give each give a score out of 10 and then I'm going to do some crazy maths and figure out what those two numbers add up to and then divide them by two and then that's how we're going to get our score so yeah we're a music podcast but we also show off our stem work and like i'm just like i'm not even going to use a calculator or anything because i'm that smart so anyways andrew off the dome. wait what did you say <laughs> i said just off, off the, the dome, dome man dude. um anyways what what is the biggest strength and for you the biggest weakness of the record there are two really, to me, the two strongest elements are vocals and lyrics. I'm just going to highlight vocals right now because I still think that that is the standout for this record. That's the lasting impact for me of this record is just how perfect Phoebe Bridger's voice is. It's it's a 10 out of 10. She does such a good job pushing her voice on this album too. You can hear it in tracks like Kyoto and then obviously her screaming during I Know the End. Just her hitting another dynamic level with her voice that you don't hear 
on a lot of the other songs is incredible. So I think her voice is the best element. Um, maybe a weaker element, although it's hard to find weaker elements. I'm going to say, actually, maybe the maybe the journey, how we usually pull that, that the flow of the album, although it's hard because I love the bookends, but there are parts of the album that feel like they settle in a little too much into a low dynamic, and the songs blend together at that point. So each song by itself does not blend together, but I think maybe if... It was reordered slightly. If there was something uh, slightly changed, it might have helped the flow. I'm being extremely nitpicky because this is a really, really incredible album. Um, And maybe because of what I saw from uh, the instruments in I Know the End, I could also see her maybe being able to push herself instrumentally for the next album and come up with some much cooler hooks or or vibes because I would say most of the hooks on this album are melodies versus actual hooks played by an instrument. So, yeah, it's it's excellent. Uh, Nate, what's your strongest and weakest elements? Yeah, so I think her strongest element is her vulnerable and humorous and incredibly clear and yet ultimately vague songwriting. Um, She just leaves so much room for openness interpretation by telling such specific stories. And she does it in a way where you're always entertained and you're always drawn in and you're never disinterested with what she's talking about. And I think it's tough where, like, I'm with... Like, her vocals are so good. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it's just tough when you're, like, the best of both. Where it's, like, I'm... Like, part of me is, like, without her lyrics, though, like, what would she be? But then it's also, like, she'd be a damn good vocalist. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. like, really tough to compare and I think she has so many strengths but I'm going to stick with the lyrics and then my biggest weakness is I guess I'm going to be ultra specific uh, Moon Song I think that song kind of falls flat for me but talking to my one friend he said it's his fa- one of his favorite tracks and so always when you have a friend that loves something it gives you that extra hope like oh maybe in time I'll grow to love it so I'm going to give it some more time maybe that won't be a weakness in the end but for now, that's probably my one like down spot. All right. And then out of 10, I'll go first because why not? It gives me time to do the maths once Andrew goes. Um, I will give this record a juicy 9.5. I think it's like so good. <laughs> um, I would say it's. And not that we should always be comparing records, but it's like a smidge below Stranger in the Alps for me, like as like the closest gap. But part of the problem is when you've had like how long have I been sitting with Stranger in the Alps? Almost three years. And it's so nostalgic and I connect it with like the fall and like I have such an emotional tie to it. I think next summer when I listen to Punisher, I'm going to have very similar feelings, similar nostalgia, similar emotions. So my guess is they'll end up on an even playing field, but or on an even plane. But for now, I say Punisher 9.5, easily one of the best, if not the best record of the year. Uh, yeah, I it's so good. Okay, Andrew, what's your rating? So I was going to give it a 9.4, which gives our math fun fun things um i agree with you it kind of feels like this is the one b to stranger in the alps one a but i also feel like this album okay so like i'm probably not gonna like stranger in the alps more than i currently do because i already love that album i've sat with it for years similar to you so i already know where my love for that album is kind of capped and it's not capped basically at all but this album feels like at some point 
it's going to pass Stranger in the Alps for me. Once a little bit of nostalgia, maybe if I listen to it um, during a, a road trip or something, I just feel like there's some things that can kind of add to the score. So I went 9.4, but I also feel like 9.5 isn't asking too much of me now anyway. Well, it doesn't matter because if if we take Andrew's 9.4 and my 9.5, it comes to average as a 9.45, and we're rounding up, so it's a 9.5. So, yep. Andrew, just give it a 9.5. I should. Okay, I'll give it a 9.5. <laughs> you know, There we it, go. It doesn't matter, but in case anyone wants to be pissed at me, you now have a reason because you're like, you rated it lower yeah. than Nate, and you can be really pissed at yeah, me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about how much you hate the record <laughs> in comparison to me. Yeah, it's a huge difference, man. Well, thank you so much for listening to our review. We are so grateful for having you. And if you love this record, please reach out to us on our socials or on our email. Socials, LDLpod, email listening at gmail.com. And let us know what you love about the record. Let us know what we missed. Let us know other artists that we would probably like if we like Phoebe. And just please engage with us. We're lonely people. Like, we have our wives. They only talk to us because they have to. We're punishers to our wives. <laughs> well, we're to individually, not to, like, like yeah, not each to, other's wives. Like, I'm not a punisher yeah, to yeah, your exactly. wife. And we only talk to each other because of the podcast. We actually despise one another. So we need that individual connection with you all. So thank you so much for doing that, and we really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, and have a great day. Why the hell are all these veggie tails fruit? <laughs>